Hello, I'm Marina Johnson, and this is Tablework, a TAPS podcast series where we interview the artists and theater makers behind our productions on what it takes to get their productions from the page to the stage. This episode features undergraduate student theater group Stanford Shakespeare Company, featuring members Riley Plout Deweese and Wilder Graham Seitz. Hello, I'm so excited to have you both with us today for Tablework. Thanks for joining me. It's awesome to be here. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so excited. Do you mind giving our listeners a little bit of an introduction to who you both are? Uh, yeah, I can start. Uh, hi, my name is Wilder. Uh, I am a senior. I'm majoring in philosophy, and I am the uh, or co-executive producer of uh, the Stanford Shakespeare Company. So that's kind of fulfilling the presidenty administrative kind of roles and leading our board and kind of managing a lot of the stuff that we do. Yeah, uh, yeah and I'm Riley. I'm a sophomore. Um, I am English major, and I'm also uh, Shakespeare's spring director of Much Ado About Nothing. Um, so very, very excited about that. Amazing. And talk to us a little bit about Stan Shakes. Uh, yeah, so we are the only student repertory theater company on campus, which means uh, instead of auditioning for each different show, you just get to audition for us once in the fall. And then if we take you, then you're in for all four years. So uh, yeah, we do a full slate of shows, uh, two full-length productions, don't have to be Shakespeare. I have pretty much only ever been Shakespeare, um, as well as a fall showcase. Our uh, winter show, Two Noble Kinsmen, is actually going up in a couple weeks. Uh, so March 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, put that on your calendars. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and so we just, yeah, we make Shakespeare, we make theater, we all hang out, we have a lot of fun. Uh, it's just a great place to be on campus and a great community. Definitely. Stan Shakes is one of my favorite groups, so I'm especially glad to have you both here with us. Yeah, yeah, we love Marina. <laughs> has a lot of work with us. Yeah. I pay them to say that. Um, so, okay, why do you think Shakespeare in general is relevant to college-age students today? Um, and I know that Stan Shakes specifically works to make your pieces accessible and relevant, so I think both questions, maybe. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think Shakespeare is this, like, incredible blank slate. Uh, in terms of like what you can do with it, right? And I think oftentimes the most important, like the most important and exciting part of Shakespeare's uh, of Shakespeare's productions are figuring out like our setting and time period and what themes we kind of want to pull out and 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 draw from. Um, I, I think a great example of this was our our production of King Lear um, last year. Um, it was set in the nineteen seventies in Wichita, Kansas, um, and it was like a slasher horror about like um about poverty and injustice and what it means to grow older and have like responsibilities um and and it, it, it was it was really cool to like bring that to the modern day and kind of play off of those very modern fears and and apprehensions um yeah 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 i know i i i agree with all of that at the same time i think there is a balance where there's this like version of doing Shakespeare that's like, you know, it's like the, the classic joke of like, oh, they're doing Shakespeare, but it's games uh, <laughs> in the 20s in Chicago, you know, or oh, they're doing Shakespeare, you know, but it's this or that. And we do still, I think, always start our work from drawing on the text. And one of the things I think that I really like about what we do is we definitely rearrange the text a lot. And we, you know, spend a lot of time kind of trying to mold it in ways that will be more accessible, but we never really abbreviate or kind of um take away from from the beauty of that original text our job is kind of how do we take this text that is so 
obscure in, in a lot of ways to a modern audience and find the ways to present it so that that meaning, the, you know, because he has such just clarity in the emotions and thoughts and the, the, the depth of, you know, the, the human condition that, that Shakespeare's putting forward and how we still draw that out. Um, I think one thing in particular that's like, pretty specific to Shakespeare, like, we, we've kind of developed this very colloquial style to the way that we deliver um, lines and kind of think about scenes and character interactions in a way where even though the text is so ancient, the relationships between characters ends up coming off as very, very um, modern and, and contemporary. And I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, and, and I, I also think like that 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 sentiment and that like that that kind of belief and, and approach to the text is like reflected in our like rehearsal process. I mean like usually the first two or three weeks of any given show are spent like reading through the text and talking about like how characters might know each other and what was happening before the events of the show and kind of building up that 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 rich kind of backstory and lore. And even if like, you know, the audience doesn't always see that, just us having those relationships on stage I found to be it's something that's like incredibly powerful and I feel like deepens my my own relationship with these texts and these these stories and these themes. Definitely. Well, and I, yeah, so I love so much of your company and like how you're bringing Shakespeare to students and also just the way you approach it, like in this colloquial style, um, but in this really deep respect for that there's something about the relationships that are written there that's mm -hmm. really exciting. Um, in addition to, and I think this was sort of woven through some of what you just said, but um, are there other things that you feel about Shakespeare specifically that like speak to students besides the relationships and besides some of the other things that you've mentioned? Uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, I, I guess it sort of alluded to it, but I think Shakespeare is so good at, like, I, I think the reason, you know, people call him the goat is because, you know, you know, other playwrights will have kind of certain areas where they really just you know have it all the way like uh, let's say arthur miller and you know the, the family american families in the mid-20th century so, you know he really captures those you know family dynamics and father sons and wife husbands and that that kind of thing but shakespeare has gets that but for like this whole range of the human condition from like the deepest despairs and sorrows and anger to like the highest joy and beauty and, and you know just the bodiness and, and comedy and I, I think every single young person I've ever met without fail is you know going through some heavy <laughs> stuff you know and going through really strong emotions and these you know huge waves of things that you inside yourself that you can't even fully articulate or understand and I think that is entirely what's going on in Shakespeare but there is this disconnect that like happens and at some point early on, often, you know, in high school or even before then, that kind of connection to it gets severed. And from then on, it stays as this alien thing. When I think everything that is there in the text is so familiar to people and young people, especially. Yeah. No, thank you for mentioning. I think that severing is really interesting because I think a lot of people gesture to, well, they had to read it at this time and then <clears throat> nothing's been the same. <laughs> I haven't liked it as much since or something like that. Um, but let's talk specifically about Julius Caesar. Mm. So, Taps main stage. Do you have favorite moments or characters from Caesar um, that you want to share with people that are listening? Maybe things that might prime them to come. And I think spoilers are fine. I think most people understand a little bit about the plot that's going to be unfolding. I mean, it's just such a recent news story. I just, I'm so worried that people haven't had a chance to really take it in. <laughs> discussion. You, you can. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I, I think the obvious answer for me is the character of, of like, Brutus. I mean, he kind of becomes the kind of uh, unwilling hero-slash-anti-hero-slash-antagonist. Um, and, and I think what's so exciting about it is, like, is in every production I've ever seen, like, they have a different take on who Brutus is and how the audience is supposed to feel about Brutus. Um, and so, like, I'm, I'm very excited to see what Taps does. And, and, and I also think just, just like, thematically... Like Brutus, Brutus is coming from a very interesting area of a kind of this being this like stubborn idealist who really commits to what he believes in and stands by it. And like you know, his plan like ha like happens halfway through the show. Like the, he he succeeds. He kills Caesar, and the rest of the show is like dealing with the fallout of that. And I feel like that's the thing that we don't often get in stories like this. It's not only seeing like the the, the goal, but the fallout from that goal. And getting to, to kind of learn learn from that and how those characters kind of handle what they do after they've like achieved what 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 they believe in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely Brutus. Brutus speaks to me a lot. I think one moment that I'm always really really moved by in Caesar uh, comes near the end. Sort of Caesar's ghost uh, reappears to Brutus right before this kind of final climactic battle where their whole plans will either succeed or fail. And I'm always very interested by the way that like it could have turned into a whole thing you know where, where, where we get like I, I mean in comparison to let's say uh the ghosts in Macbeth or the ghost in Hamlet where it turns in you know it becomes this huge moment of interrogation for this conflicted protagonist and instead the ghost you know Caesar just says something he's like I'll see you tomorrow and then Brutus just kind of goes yeah okay and then the ghost leaves, and that's kind of the scene. Um, and I'm always so struck by, you know, what what is going on in, in Brutus's soul and, and mind at, at that moment, and what it means to have kind of given up fighting the ghost, you know, the fighting that encounter with death or, or with oblivion or, or whatever it is, or, or with failure in, in a sense. Um, and then just the way that Brutus kind of takes it in stride and then enters that final act, I think, is really, really powerful to me. Yeah. Oh, excellent. I mean, and I just love your thinking about the ghosts across different shows um, or Shakespeare plays, rather. I think that's really fascinating. Um, Shakespeare wrote Hamlet after writing mm. um, Caesar, and so in some ways people refer to Brutus as like a proto-Hamlet. Uh, <laughs> like, okay, I feel like it's some of the same things, but differently like working towards the Hamlet version um so I love getting to think across the plays like that um are there other moments or things in Caesar that are particularly interesting to you I, we talked a little bit listeners before this about um some things that maybe are at least I said some things that are less interesting to me um about in right we've seen adaptations that have been um about different political figures um, so maybe this all can also lead us into if there are adaptations of Caesar or versions of Caesar that you've seen or are interested in. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of of two minds about the, the the Caesar relevancy. I think there's one reading where you could say Caesar is a play about a bunch of people who are living in a society that is kind of really just sort of fall, falling apart at the seams and about how they try to take radical action or they're trying to like take action to confront that and and stop it somehow but perhaps end up 
only really leading to more chaos and, and instability and I mean, right there, you know, there's maybe a reading where you could read into that and our present moment and maybe the way that we try to almost, you know, focus on like you're alluding to, let's say a figure like uh, Trump or, or, you know, if you're, you're on the other side of the aisle, I don't know how many conservative table work uh, <laughs> listeners we have out there, but you know, use a figure like uh, Biden or whatever and you say, oh, this person is the problem and if we just get rid of them, then everything will be solved and much like in real life or in Caesar, the actual problems at the root of it, like let's say the class of senators and patricians in the first place who are still kind of running things and it's just like a hundred dudes in a room, you know, instead of one guy, but like is it's still not really creating a functioning society. And, and in that way, I think Caesar is kind of about this failure to address maybe the, the, the larger things that are going on and in some ways the failure of reading history just as, as a series of individual actors and, and the consequences of history just as a result of those actors being good, good goodies or the bad guys, you know? Um, yeah, I think there's a whole lot in there. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think Caesar is like such a politically charged show. And so I think it's, it's often easy to kind of default to focusing all that on, on one figure, one idea, one conflict. And, and I've always found, I mean, I, I haven't seen a ton of, of, of like, productions of Caesar, but in, in all of my favorites, it's always been, like, they are placed in a situation or a context. And that's what, like, drives this, this story. It's not so much about, like, a, an, a, a single individual, but about the state of a culture or a society that, that, that leads to the events of, of, of the show and the necessity for that one person to make that choice, yeah. right? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say, I, th I think there's one thing that Caesar definitely doesn't do, which is give any answers. Like, like I, I hope, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone should do, I, I mean, I haven't seen this particular Taps production, you know, obviously no one has, but uh, I'm not sure it's a play that actually tells you, give, gives you a good answer on how to navigate times like these, um, but it definitely keeps you up at night about it, which is hopefully maybe the, the first step. Um, maybe you, you meet a ghost and then that tells you something. But. Yeah. No, I love the idea that, I mean, I think theater is supposed to ask questions or cause us to ask questions when we come away from it. And I think this version of the play that we're doing, it's also meant to do that, to have people ask questions about what do we do in these situations? Is it really a figurehead is the problem or are there other things and how do we make change? And I hope that we won't, no one will walk away from this play saying like, there is no way to make yeah. change, but it, they might not walk away saying, ah, oh, that was the ground plan for how to make good change. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think, that's not what, that's not our goal anyway. Um, but you both gestured towards the relevance of this play today, um, whether it's because we have this sort of very specific political situation or set of situations that we might find ourselves in. Um, but if you were to talk to Stanford undergrads and say, like, why should anyone on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night come to see Julius Caesar? And I know you haven't seen the play, so there's not, obviously not <laughs> anything particular here, but what would you say? I would say that it is, one, just a dang good show. <laughs> and I think just on, on a pure level, I, I don't think you will be bored by any means. I think that... Uh, everything I've been hearing, you know, uh, we, we've got some good friends of ours who are 
helping assistant director, starring uh, Brutus's uh, good friend of both of ours. Mm. And um, yeah, it just sounds like so much work has been going into this show, and so it's, it sounds like such a dynamic and very, like, there's a lot of crazy cool stuff going on. And, and so from um, deciding purely that level, you will definitely be entertained. Um, but I think, yeah, you will also... I don't know, I think that these kinds of questions we've been talking about are... It's not just a particular group or, you know, of, like, Shakespeare aficionados <laughs> who are like, oh, this feels really relevant. I think pretty much every single person my age who I've talked to, you know, either at Stanford or even, you know, out outside of this Stanford bubble, these they are kept up at night by, by these kinds of questions. And they do feel this acute sense of being kind of an individual actor who's caught up in, in a series of problems, you know, whether you want to call that climate change or whether you want to call that, you know, gun violence or police brutality or the failing political class or whatever it is, you know, but, and you're kind of confronted by the overwhelming complexity of all these things. And you have to ask yourself, how am I, as this, you know, individual character, quote-unquote, going to try to even begin to address those? And I think that Caesar is an incredibly potent piece of work for helping to think about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing I, I keep coming back to, and this, this applies to Caesar, but I think also applies to all of Shakespeare's works, is this idea of, like, there are so many stories today that are so influenced by you know, Shakespeare's works, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I still watch, like, modern TV and movies all the time. I'm like, oh, that's Benedict and Beatrice. That is Romeo and Juliet, right? Mm -hmm. Like, these stories are still very relevant and are, are being told and retold, I like, just all of the time. Um, and, and so I think I think j just for the sake of getting, of getting a, a look at where that all started, I think is inherently val... I, I, like, I, 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 like I, I think that there's value in that. Mm -hmm. and, and kind of recognizing that like these stories that we're still seeing today are part of a long tradition of people thinking about issues like this and stories like this and characters like this and what we do with them um, and, and, and how they can be restructured and reconfigured to feel relevant to us. Yeah. It's very exciting. Thank you for those answers. Uh, we have not much time left, but I would like to open it up. If, is there anything we haven't talked about today that you both in your Shakespeare knowledge, your Caesar, knowledge or excitement for the play um insider scoops that you have because you're friends with some of the cast and assistant <laughs> directors anything you want to add i was i was i was sharing a uh, an anecdote before we started recording that there were uh that there's a john mulaney bit on snl <laughs> where, where, where where right he, he he makes this joke about like about like, wouldn't it be funny if we still stabbed people in the Senate? And he <laughs> joked that he had to talk to two lawyers before he, he made that joke. And I think like that speaks to the relevance of like this story about Caesar that like, you know, a stand-up comedian on Saturday Night Live on national television is like still worried about invoking the power of a story like this. Mm -hmm. And like I, I I think like obviously it's it's a it's a silly situation to be placed in, but I also think like if you zoom out a little bit, it's like it's it's kind of intriguing, and I think I, I think again, like seeing seeing this production of Caesar or 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 any production of Caesar, um, kind of helps us to to better understand why exactly that 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 is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. I thought when you were you started gesturing at the anecdote, I was like Riley, Riley. No, 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 no. 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 <laughs> uh, you you do compare yourself to John Mulaney a lot. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> 
Excellent. I mean, I think ending on a John Mulaney anecdote is a, is a pretty strong place for us. Um, and thank you both just for being in conversation. Mm-hmm. I feel really excited after talking to you both, and I'm getting to work on the play, which I'm excited about in different ways, too. Um, but hopefully everyone who's listening knows that there are lots of reasons to come see the play, even though the main character dies halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's still a lot that you both covered that are that's really in there. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Maria. Yeah, it's it's awesome a, to be here. It's an incredible opportunity. Thank you. Two Noble Kids win, March 2nd, 3rd, and 4th.